Hello and welcome to another episode of the County Cricket Podcast in association with our friends at Bear Crickets. I'm your host, Aaron, aka the Cricket Connoisseur, and joining me on my left for tonight's very special episode of TCCP is none other than Glamorgan and former Herefordshire seamer, Jamie McElroy. So Jamie, first things first, mate, thank you very much for joining me here on the podcast tonight. It's an absolute pleasure to welcome you on for a chat about all things county crickets. I have to ask, mate, how's your day been so far? Uh, hi, Aaron. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. Um, today's been a good day, pretty chilled and um, a little rest day from first week back in training. Fair play. Nice and chilled. A bit like the weather here in England at the moment. Absolutely freezing, pouring down with rain as well. Very windy in the UK at the moment. How has your first week back been in terms of both the weather and obviously in terms of the actual fitness programme itself? Uh, yeah, it's been been a good couple of days back in. Um, body's feeling a bit sore in places just from getting back into some sprints. Um, but no, really, really good to get back in and get stuck into it again. Oh, of course. It's a nice time of year, really, isn't it, January, for, for a county cricketer, because we've had the off-season post-2022, and as of this recording, there's 85 days until the start of the 2023 County Championship. It's getting closer, folks. It really is, and we cannot wait to cover every single round of that incredible competition here at the County Cricket Podcast. And talking of the podcast... For those who don't quite know how TCCP actually works and aren't quite familiar with how we operate on this platform, today I'm going to be talking to Jamie all about his cricketing journey. So we'll start first and foremost with the early years, then a large chunk of today's podcast will of course revolve around the mighty Glamorgan County Cricket Club, and then we shall end today's conversation with a nice look ahead to the future. But Jamie, before we jump the gun and we get into all of that good stuff then, I want to transport you all the way back to the origins of the Jamie McElroy cricketing story. So what were your first ever memories of cricket, either playing or watching this simply sensational game? Playing-wise, um, it was, I think I was in year five in school and um, it was the Easter holidays. And, you know, you have the after-school camp where you can go when your parents are working. Mm -hmm. And there was, a, there was a cricket taster day there and I went along because mum and dad were working and the taste today the coach was like seemed quite impressed that I was coordinated and that was my first sort of cricketing experience and it sort of evolved from there uh watching wise same as I think a lot of other people around my age was the 05 Ashes that was the the first series I ever watched on TV me and dad pretty much watched all of it fair enough Jamie I mean to be honest I am very tempted 2023 might be the year that I rebrand this podcast as the 2005 Ashes podcast because we discuss it every single episode. Not that I'm complaining, to be honest. An iconic series, one which has clearly had a profound impact and legacy on the English county game. And for you personally, this might be a difficult question, Jamie, but I always ask this to every single one of our guests who brings that incredible series up. But if you could go back in time to 2005 and relive just one day of cricket, from that most memorable of series, which day would you select and why? Oh, that's quite a tough one. Um, there's a lot of good days, a lot of parts I vaguely remember. Um, I always, I'll never forget the Simon Jones ball. I think was it to Michael Clark? Oh, Old Trafford. The reverse in swinger. Uh, yeah, the reverse swing ball. Sorry, 
Um, yeah, I see that clip come up regularly, and I, I remember that a lot. And um, was it the test match where we won by a couple of runs with a caught behind off the the bumper last last wicket? Yeah, I, I remember that quite quite well. So probably one of them days, really. If you had to choose one of those, I know it is incredibly difficult, but you mentioned that ball to Michael Clark off of Simon Jones, which was absolutely ridiculous, wasn't it? And you can still hear the ping, can't you? When you look back on that dismissal, it's one of those pictures which you can actually hear. Obviously, that final day at Edgbaston, winning by two runs, the, the glove off of Michael Kasperwich, into the, the gloves of Geraint Jones behind the stumps, an incredible moment in English cricketing history. If you could just go to one of those days, Jamie, which one would it be? I think I'd have to go for the the Geraint Jones catch just because of the way that the test match was won. Yeah, I think that would be the the choice. Hey, fair enough. I, I can't really complain about that choice, to be honest. It was a remarkable victory, wasn't that? Two, two runs. It's the closest ever victory in Ashes history. And that, again, just... I think that perfectly encapsulates just how remarkable that series actually was. And quite clearly, even in 2023, the the legacy, the impact of that series is definitely still felt here in England and Wales. What an incredible summer of cricket the summer of 2005 was. And talking of that series, Jamie, obviously on both sides, for both England and Australia, some of the greatest players to ever play the game of cricket appeared in that series. So, for example, you had the late, great Shane Warne for Australia, we had some outstanding players. Freddie Flintoff just comes to mind. A very young Ian Bell as well from my county of Warwickshire. So we did have some excellent talents in that squad. But in terms of those formative years, did you have any role models, any icons, any idols, any influences per se that you tried to look up to in those early cricketing years? I think, um, yeah, as you said, like the bowling units that they had then was like remarkable. The strength and depth they had, obviously, Glenn McGraw with his control was just unbelievable to watch. And then you had Brett Lee with his pace and you had um, Harm- um, Hoggard, sorry, swinging the ball consistently. You know, it was it was amazing to watch. But my actual first bowler I tried to replicate was Ryan Sidebottom. So when he came into the, the test team and I was watching him play, that was a, a bowler I thought I would like to model myself on with a, the, the swing of that, the swing of the ball. Um, and yeah, he was really good to watch. He most certainly was. That is a great choice. Might I just add, in particular, the ball coming back into the right-hander. That really is an iconic method of dismissal for, for any left-arm seam bowler. And in terms of the art of seam bowling itself, Jamie, have you always been a seam bowler? Or did you ever venture into the, the world of the specialist batter or the keeper or the spin bowler? Um, definitely not ventured into the batting world. Um I always wished I could play as like Ian Bell when I was younger, but uh, unfortunately that never happened. Um, you know, every now and then you in nets growing up, you'd you'd try a bit of off spin or something, but it was it was no good really. So um, yeah, it was pretty much seam bowling from the start for me. Fair enough. So very conventional routes into seam bowling. Then very much always been a seam bowler as opposed to a spinner turn seamer or a batter turn seamer. Fair play for sticking with the trade all of these years because it is very physically demanding, isn't it? The world of the same bowler. Yeah, it, it takes a bit out of your body from time to time, but you've got to you've got to keep enjoying it and you've got to love what you do, haven't you? You most certainly do. I think that's fantastic advice for any young same bowler because the rewards are definitely worth it. And in terms of same bowling as an art form, Jamie, what is your favourite aspect 
of being a seamer? What brings you back time and time again, year in, year out, even through all of those physical toils? What is it about seam bowling which brings Jamie McElroy back all of these years? Well, I, for me, I, I love the challenge. Um, you know, when you're trying to swing the ball and you've got a batter in form and you're trying to outthink them, you're trying to think about bringing one back through the gate or trying to push one across and take the outside edge and just the challenge. And sometimes you get into really good battles and, you know, you can be on top and not get them out. And then you can sort of, they can get on top of you and then they might nick one and, and all of a sudden the battle's over. But during that battle, it's so much fun. It most certainly is. I mean, I started off as a same bowl myself. wasn't very good. And I think I've repeated this story a lot on the podcast, but there's one schools game. I bowled five wides in a row. And all of a sudden, the same bowling dreams were over. And I've been a spinner ever since. So it, it can be tremendously tough at times. But when you do get that dismissal, you either get that nick behind or you see the stumps flying all over the place. It must be tremendously special. And in terms of those dismissals, Jamie, what is your favourite method? of getting a batter out. What do you like to see the most? A bouncer, a Yorker, one of those swing bowling deliveries which maybe clips the top of off. What's your favourite method of dismissing an opposition batter? Oh, for me, definitely it's swinging it back, trying to go go through the gate and see the stamp cartwheel if possible. Um, yeah, that's that's the best sight for me. Uh, and then I'd say probably, if not bold, the in-swinger uh, LBW. Oh, yeah. Again, some great shouts there, and I always say this about same bowling, and, and swing bowling in fairness, I know it is very much two branches of the same thing, but it's very much the rock and roll star of the cricket bowling world, isn't it? As opposed to the spinner, the spinner's more methodical, it's a bit more like a chess master, as opposed to just all guns blazing, but swing bowling in particular, it is just magnificent to watch, and in terms of swing bowlers, Jamie, who do you almost look up to in the, in the cricketing world, because you mentioned Glenn McGrath earlier. He was a fantastic component of both the in-swinger and the out-swinger. Over the years, we've been blessed with the likes of Jimmy Anderson and Stuart Broad in this country. Who are some real swing bowlers that you try to almost model your game off of, per se? Yeah, I think for, for anyone, uh, uh, Jimmy's the the main one that everyone would love to be able to bowl like. Um, but I remember growing up watching... what. After the Ashes, that 05 series, I sort of started to watch sort of any game that was on TV. And um, I remember watching Chaminda Vass quite a bit. And um, obviously left arm as well. And that was that was another one where I thought, you know, if you can get it out of the hand like that regularly, you're going to be in a very good place. <laughs> you definitely are. And again, a phenomenal shout. Chaminda Vass, he actually played in county cricket as well for Northamptonshire quite a few years ago. So again, a great link to county cricket there. And he has one of the greatest names in cricket history. Warnakula Surya, Patabendiga, Ushanta Joseph, Chamindavas. What a name. What a bowler. Arguably, in my opinion, Sri Lanka's best ever seamer. I know that a certain Sarangalak Mal has to be up there as well. Now plays for Derbyshire, an outstanding swing bowler. Funnily enough, with that in-swinger back into the right-hander. But that is a great shout, Chamindavas. James Anderson as well, Glenn McGrath. Jamie, before we actually talk about county cricket, just one final question about that, actually. If you could sit down for a podcast or have a net session with any of those bowlers, right? In fact, we'll, we'll throw Ryan Sidebottom in there as well. So Ryan Sidebottom, Glenn McGrath, Chaminda Vass, or the great Jimmy Anderson, who would you choose and why for that hour-long session? Well, ideally, you'd like to take all four, wouldn't you, and pick, pick their brains, but... Um... Yeah, I guess it depends what you're trying to get. Like, obviously, if it's swing ball, then you'd take Jimmy. 
Um, but then if you want something more similar to me as a left armor, it would be, it'd be a very tough one between Vass and Sidebottom for me. Probably Sidebottom would edge it, I think. Well, that, that's completely understandable as well, given that link back to those childhood memories of, of Ryan Sidebottom doing his thing. But as you said, if you could get all four in the same room, that'd be quite the discussion, wouldn't it? <laughs> quite the conversation Absolutely, to, yes. to have. Goodness me, we might have to do that on the podcast one day. Uh, I think the, the listener figures would be quite excellent for that, getting Jimmy Anderson, Glenn McGraw, Chaminda Varsens and Ryan Sidebottom in the same room. Goodness me, at least a million views on that, I reckon, from, from young scene bowlers. But talking of those players then, Jamie, and we've already alluded to the county circuit. All four of those bowlers have, of course, played county cricket over the years. What were your first dealings with county cricket as we know it in terms of the 18 first-class counties? What are your first memories of maybe playing or, or watching county cricket per se? So watching-wise, um, it, it's probably about an hour and a half for me from Cardiff to my family home. So it was never really an option to nip down after work or parents after work or, you know, after school to watch. So um, every now and then when I played some junior cricket, we'd play up north. And it would sometimes coincide with when uh, Glamorgan played at Colwyn Bay. So I went to, a, I think, two or three games up there of the 50 over, I think it was. Or was it the 40 over then? Maybe. And um, yeah, I was up there for a couple and I remember watching Lanks Glamorgan play up there and also North Hans Glamorgan up there. So that was probably my first experience of watching and playing wise, um, sort of first trialed in 2017. So being around that sort of setup was probably that summer. All right, fair enough. So again, very much Glamorgan based then in terms yeah. of that, <laughs> that first venture into counter cricket, both watching and playing. Colwyn Bay, what an outground. I've never actually been there for a game of crickets. I've seen the outground outside of the season, but is that your favourite outground then? It's probably up there, yeah. I haven't played senior cricket up there. I played uh, junior age group stuff at the ground and it was always a really nice place to play and we always look forward to when the fixture was scheduled there. So yeah, that, that's, that's a big favourite. I can imagine it is and it is a, an iconic Welsh outground. Always seem to play Lancashire there. Don't they, Glamorgan? I suppose it's I suppose it's easy, isn't it? If you're in the northwest, you literally just go along the, the North Welsh coast. But it's a lovely outground, Colwyn Bay. And in the past decade, there's been some really iconic games there. I think back to Dane Villas in 2019. I think he scored 266. So obviously there's been quite a few memorable games, to say the least, at Colwyn Bay. And in terms of the venue, definitely need to visit it. It does look like an excellent outground, to say the very least. But Jamie, before we get into the conversation about Glamorgan then, because you mentioned those trials in 2017, before that you had played quite a few games in the National Counties for, for Herefordshire. So in terms of those experiences, how invaluable was that time in the minor counties and just how integral has it been in terms of your developments as a cricketer? Yeah, absolutely. It was uh, the main factor for me. Um I love my time playing at Herefordshire and I think I played for about five seasons there. Um, but yeah, the the opportunity to to play some three-day cricket was, was really good and it's something you're not playing if you're just playing club cricket every weekend. Um, and then when they progressed in formats to bringing in the white ball stuff and it was really good to just test yourself and improve your skills and it really gave me a platform to push on. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear that because we always do push the national counties here on TCCP. It is an important part 
of the English and Welsh cricketing pyramid. I mean, a lot of cricketers have come through that setup, that system, and obviously gone on to progress for the first-class counties in the county championship. So shout out to Herefordshire and the rest of the national counties. They're the unsung hero, in my opinion, of that English cricketing structure. And in terms of your time with the county itself, what do you say was your real highlights with Herefordshire, Jamie? Is there one particular match, one particular moment which maybe stands out above the rest per se? Oh, absolutely. Um, without doubt, it was winning the one-day knockout cup in 2016. Yeah, that's the standout one for me. And to be completely honest, I was expecting that because it is an incredible, incredible day in the history of Herefordshire cricket. And in terms of that day itself, what can you tell us in terms of the events, what happened and what you can remember actually from lifting that trophy for your home county? Yeah, it was it was a great day. Um, we played Staffordshire at Wormsley in the final and we'd previously played them um, in the group stage and it was quite a high scoring game. I think that we lost to them at Himley and um, I think they scored about 350 and we were we ended up losing by about 100. But um, then we came to play them in the final, but we, you know, we tried to forget everything about what happened. It was a new game. It was a final um and it was just a case of seeing how they dealt with pressure and how we dealt with it. And we won the toss and we batted first. And, you know, we were we were in a bit of trouble, I think, at one point. We were maybe like 100 for four. Um, and then we had a guy in the middle order that hit 80-odd um, and really set us up and got us to about 250. So then we, we felt like we had enough to win. Um, the scoreboard pressure and we got off to a really good start. And then it just sort of went from there. You know, we picked up wickets regularly. And I remember the final wicket, um, it was a bumper top edge caught third man and then the ball went up in the air and sort of everyone went mad just running all over the place. Well, that's completely understandable, isn't it? Uh, again, a massive day in the history of Herefordshire cricket. And in terms of the, the teams that day, who was actually playing for both sides, just for those who aren't familiar with, with the two team setups, maybe any county cricketers who were in those teams per se? So I vaguely remember some of the players in the other team. Um, Kadir Ali was playing. Um, Sam Kelsall played. Alex Meller played for Staffordshire. Um, for us, we had myself played. Um, Ed Pollock played for us. Um, there was, a, it was maybe a few others that had played around the first-class game. Neil Pinner played, I think, that game. So it was there was some good name players in there for, for sure yeah there certainly were goodness me ed pollock and alex meller obviously former bears sam kelsall former nottinghamshire as well goodness think, me uh, matt pardo played for us as well that game did he yeah wow that really is quite a that's a very strong final then isn't it goodness me <laughs> a lot of county cricketers on display and obviously for herefordshire on the right ends of the result which is all that really matters isn't it for herefordshire fans and in terms of those days then in the National Counties, Jamie, before we talk about your time with the MCC Young Cricketers and, of course, Glamorgan County Cricket Club, obviously, aside from the great moments, those incredible memories, obviously, that victory would have been the pinnacle of those good times. What do you say was the most difficult aspects of playing National County Cricket? Because you're not professional at that moment and obviously you do have to have that work-life balance. So what's the most difficult aspects of playing for Herefordshire? in the national counties? 
I think the most difficult aspect is, um, as you say, it's not professional. So sometimes it's, a, it's an ever-changing team because people have work commitments, um, lack of availability due to, to that. And you've got people coming in and out trialing sometimes. So this sometimes it's not a very settled team. Um, and it's a lot of travelling as well when you play club cricket on a Saturday and then you might have to drive the length of the country to get there for a three-day game. And obviously, like I said before, with the work as well, it's it just, it can be difficult. It most certainly can. And I think that's something which, obviously, for us outside of that county setup, don't actually quite understand. Because it is a lot of sacrifice, isn't it? At the end of the day, to chase this dream, obviously, you've got to commit a lot of time. But also, you've got to think of the money in terms of the travelling across the country. It really does take a lot to play National Counties cricket. But at the same time, it's all about the pursuits of that dream, isn't it? And that's what makes it worth it in the end. And, Jamie, I have to ask, actually, what motivates you to chase this cricketing dream? I can't believe I haven't actually asked this so far, but what is it which ignites the fire within and, and keeps that fire burning, per se, over all of these years? I think it's the competitive nature. Um, you know, if, if you take part in, in a game, you, you always want to win, don't you? And when you lose, you don't enjoy it, but then you, you want to come back stronger and try and win the next one. And I think it's just like a fire in the belly for a lot of people who's just winning. Absolutely. It's the, the best part of any sport, isn't it? Getting that victory in particular, I imagine, for you guys as, as county cricketers in a county championship match after four days of real hard toil and some physical effort, that would be tremendously satisfying to get that victory on the board. But yeah, the competitive nature of cricket is always interesting. And are you one who gets white line fever, Jamie? Is that something which ever creeps in or or not? No, um, I don't get white line fever. I get competitive, but I, I never go that far as to get white line fever, no. Fair enough. That's probably for the best, actually, because you, you don't want to be seeing that all the time on a cricket field. But Goodness me, the white line fever can set in at, at any moment, can't it, as a seam bowler? doesn't happen with spin bowlers too often, but obviously it's a different art form. And yeah, when it comes to seamers, sometimes that competitive nature does just get the better of them. But obviously in your case, Jamie, that isn't the case, which is actually quite a good thing, I suppose. Maintain your head and that, that composure on the cricket field. And aside from the, the psychology of the game then, and obviously those times in the national counties and those formative years in the world of cricket itself. Jamie, I say we look ahead then to your time at Glamorgan County Cricket Club because you said there in that previous segment that you had your first dealings with the club in 2017. So that's when you first trialled for the Welsh outfit. How did you go from trialling in 2017 to getting your first professional contract? What were the steps? What was that path like for you per se? Um, it was quite a difficult path. Um, so the trialing came about from a couple of good performances in minor counties. Um, and then because I was working at the time, I had n- almost no holidays left. So I actually had to take a couple of sick days to um, to play that one trial game that summer. And we played at Taunton School against Somerset. Um, and it was, it was a good game. I think I can't remember the result now. I think it might have been a draw. Um, and that was the only game I played that year. And then I, I had a chat to Steve Watkins at the time, who's still at the club now as a coach. And he sort of said, you know, if you'd, it'd be an opportunity to trial the following summer. So I, I had a long think about it. And um, yeah, I 
quit my job the following year in March and thought better give it a go and see what happens. Goodness me, that's a big step to take, isn't it? I mean, obviously, cricket's always been the dream for you, but did you ever seconds question that, I suppose? Did you ever have any doubts in the mind that that was the right thing to do? Or for you, was it always laser-focused, I'm going to play for Glamorgan, and I'll do whatever it takes in order to achieve that goal, necessarily? I think, yeah, I think there's always a doubt. Um, you know, it's it's a tough sport, and you've quit a steady job to try and go after your dream, and you just hope that it works out. And thankfully, it worked at the time. Well, it most certainly did. And obviously, all these years later, we're talking to you as a Glamorgan player. So it's a good job that you did take that leap into the unknown at that stage in 2018. And let's just talk about the following year, because this was the big one for you, wasn't it? 2019. That's when the dream was realised, because you got given that contract, a dual contract it was, with Glamorgan and the MCC Young Cricketers. So first and foremost, how did you find out about that opportunity? How did you actually get informed that you were going to become a player for Glamorgan County um, Cricket Club? I was actually in Melbourne that winter playing, and I was just working over there, and I started getting some notifications on my phone. And it must have been about midnight there working, and my phone started going a bit mad, and I just saw that it announced the the club partnership with the the young cricketers, and that was sort of my first knowledge of it. Goodness me! Did did no one from the club give you a ring or or a text um, or an email? <laughs> well, we'd spoke previously before I went that it was potentially going to be an option, but nothing was sort of set in stone. Um, and then yeah, it it happened, and it was really good. <laughs> Yeah, I imagine it was. I mean, what a way to find out then. Goodness me, found out with the the rest of us. And you mentioned that time actually in Australia because you have played cricket over there. I believe at the time you're playing for the Duta Stars. Is that how you pronounce that team name in Victoria or? It is, yeah. Yeah, apologies for anyone in, in Victoria if I have butchered that, but the Duta Stars in, in yeah, Melbourne. Yeah, I think, yeah. Yeah, what was that like actually? Was it was it very different compared to playing here in the in the UK because... Australian cricket is renowned in particular for the on-field antics and the, the use of sledging. Yeah, it was um, a, it was a good experience. It was my second time over. And um, so I sort of had an idea of what the on-field antics were going to be like. Um, but it was definitely stepped up a notch from my previous trip. There was some tough battles on the pitch, some choice words sometimes between some players. And, you know, it was quite good to sort of sit on the ring in the outfield and just like watch what was happening oh yeah i can imagine it was and we get that quite often on the podcast if you're a bowler in australia it is a lot tougher isn't it because the ball doesn't do as much and obviously you've got those atmospheric conditions it's a lot hotter down under in comparison to here in the uk so i suppose as a bowler again how important was that time down in australia do you think that that made you a better bowler in the years that have followed yeah, I definitely think it made me a better bowler. Um, you know, when you play over here and you're using the Duke's ball, you've always got that bit of assistance with it in through the air, off the pitch, and then you go to using the Kookaburra. And once it stops swinging, you, you've got to find a way to take wickets and be economical. So it really helped me with, um, like, second and third spell bowling, just working on consistency of lines and lengths. Yeah, fair enough. And you mentioned that difference between the ball because it is a contentious point, isn't it? When it comes to the Duke ball, which has that more pronounced lacquer, the more pronounced seam as well, 
it does offer you more assistance in comparison to that Kookaburra ball, a Kookaburra ball which actually might be used in the county championship for a couple of rounds in 2023 if the rumours are to be believed. For you as a bowler, Jamie, because you've actually got experience bowling with both, is it actually that pronounced? Is the Kookaburra a lot more difficult to, to bowl with in comparison? So from my personal experience, I found it doesn't swing for as long and then it generally goes quite soft. Um, so there was, at my club especially, there was we had two or three spinners. So they ended up bowling quite a lot of overs sort of from the 20 over mark because of the ball going softer. Um, and yeah, for me, I just want the ball to swing for as long as possible. <laughs> Don't we all? It does make it a lot easier. Obviously, we're talking from a bowler's perspective. If you're a batter at the crease, you don't want it to swing very, very long at all because it does make your life a bit of a misery at times when it's zipping about all over the place. But when that ball does stop swinging then, what is your go-to methods of dismissal then? How does your game plan actually adapt? As soon as that ball stops swinging and you haven't got the assistance from the ball itself, what kind of game plans, what kind of tactics do you employ in order to, to gain the upper hand, I suppose, over your opposition? Uh, for me, so I quite often would like to go around the wicket if it stops swinging um, and try and use the angle coming back at the stumps and just be as consistent as possible on like the four stump line. Um, and, and yeah, one maybe might straighten off the pitch. You might get some assistance there. But yeah, around the wicket's a, an option and or I'll, I will stay over sometimes and I'll just maybe drag my length back a little bit and just try and find the outside edge. That's interesting, that, because usually what we do here is you go to the short stuff, in particular with the Kookaburra, because it is one way of winning that battle, the intimidation factor, when the ball isn't doing as much as well, you've just got to try some different things, haven't you? But very much conventional then with your approach then, Jamie, in terms of utilising your angle as a left-arm seamer, and dragging the length back in order to induce the outside edge. That's very interesting to hear, actually, and fair play. Shows some some good thinking on your behalf there, actually. So, yeah, I can definitely see the, the logic and, and rationale behind that. And aside from those days, then, down under, and your experiences in Victoria, I suppose we do have to talk as well about your time with the MCC Young Cricketers, because that's a very interesting programme to be a part of. So how did that opportunity present itself in the first place, when did you first find out that you were going to be a part of that scheme? So in 2018, um, Steve Kirby was in charge of the Young Cricketers and I played a trial game for them. Um, and he was quite keen after the game to try and get me on it for the following year. And I mentioned to him that I'd been trialling at Glamorgan as well. And he sort of suggested to me it might be worth speaking to him about potentially a partnership, um, which then later happened. Um, and then when I found out, I landed back in the country um, from Australia. And about three days later, I had to move to London for the program to start. So it was it was quite quick turnaround, but it was like really good experience. Oh, of course. I mean, it's a prestigious thing to be a part of as well. And I'm guessing the facilities and the training that you had would have been absolutely top notch as well. And I did do my research, actually about the team in terms of some of the, the players that you played alongside. Kashif Ali was a part yeah. of that team, a fantastic young talent from Worcestershire. Finn Hudson-Prentice as well, a favourite of ours here on the Counts Cricket Podcast, formerly of Derbyshire, now back his home county of Sussex. 
and Baz de Leder as well, who of course got a lot of attention in the T20 World Cup for the Netherlands. So it was a very strong side to be a part of, wasn't it? Yeah, it really was a strong side. And you, we also had um, Dan Moriarty. Oh, from he Surrey. came in and he played um, a lot of games for us and then went went through Surrey. So yeah, there was some strong players in that. Goodness me, that is a very, very strong setup. And talking of Surrey, if I'm not mistaken, Jamie, you had quite a, a memorable game against the Brown Caps in, in that season of 2019, didn't you? It was, um, yeah, it was a long four days, that was. <laughs> well, we'll take us through it then, because for those who haven't seen, obviously, as, as part of my podcast prep, I've seen your highlights, actually, on the MCC Young Cricketers YouTube channel. Again, if anyone wants to go and watch them, some very good wickets in there, to say the least. But in terms of that game, I'm guessing, obviously, a massive personal highlight from your time in that programme. But what can you tell us? about the game itself and how events actually transpired in that particular encounter? So, well, we, it was the last game of the season and we, we were down in the Oval and um, we won the toss, chose to bat and we got off to a really good start. Um, we declared, I think, on 500 for 500 for four or five, somewhere there. And sort of as a bowler, you're sat in the dressing room watching it and you're watching some of the highlights and you're not seeing it swing you didn't see a seamer take a wicket in the first innings. You're thinking this could be a could be a tough grind in the next innings. And then we came out to bowl on the second evening. Um, didn't start off too well for me. Uh, went for quite a few runs in the first four overs, five overs. Went for about 28, I think. Um, didn't go to plan. But then, yeah, came back the next day and it was it was a long grind, but it was enjoyable. It was a tough challenge. Um, didn't help dropping Hashim Amla off a court and bold opportunity. But yeah, it was it was tough four days. Very tough four days, but again, it's Surrey, isn't it? You know, tremendously difficult opposition and a very high-class opposition, it has to be said. Obviously, as of this recording, the defending county champions. So, you know, it happens. You have those days in the dirt in the, in the game of cricket and yeah, it's all about the learning process, isn't it? To be honest, it's all about bouncing back and obviously implementing those lessons for future games. And talking then of the county championship and, of course, county cricket proper, Jamie, let's talk about Glamorgan County Cricket Club because we haven't actually spoken much about the Welsh County so far in the podcast. We've spoken a lot about the likes of Herefordshire and the MCC Young Cricketers, but we haven't actually spoken about the club that you currently play your cricket for. So we've spoken about the trial. We've spoken about the day that you got your contract. But in terms of the next event which happened your first class debut, what can you remember from that particular occasion? Just how proud of a moment was that for you to walk out onto that field and represent Glamorgan County Cricket Club in the county championship? Yeah, it was, it was, uh, personally, it was like, a, it was an amazing experience. Um, but it was also a very odd experience because it was during COVID. So there was no supporters. Um, so we, we were up in Yorkshire first game of the season Find out I was playing pre-game, so obviously you start to feel a bit nervous, um, but excited. And then we won the toss and we were batting, so it, it felt quite relaxed in the end because it was so long until I was doing my role. Um, and then first ball, first ball in professional cricket at Joe Root, and that was not an easy easy challenge, um, but it was one that I really enjoyed. And then we got snowed off on day three, I think, in the afternoon, and one of the most bizarre days of cricket I've ever been involved in. It was bizarre, wasn't it? For, for those who don't know, 
it was a lot of snow as well, wasn't it? It wasn't just like a little light covering. It looked like it was the, the middle of winter, didn't it? The outfield was covered in the stuff. Yeah, in, a, in the space of about 15, 20 minutes, it went from like nice green outfield and it was just a blanket of white snow. Yeah, they're just bizarre. But again, it's, it's county cricket. Weird things happen. I mean, in 1948, for example, a Glamorgan game against Gloucestershire got, uh, got, it got held up by sheep at Ebber Vale. Sheep stopped play, which I thought was absolutely hilarious. We actually discussed that on the last episode of the podcast with Dr. Andrew Hignall, but strange things happen in county cricket. I don't know what it is about the county championship, but yeah, we do get some very, very strange delays, to say the least, over the years. But in terms of that first-class debut, Jamie, you mentioned about bowling to the England captain. Joe Root, that must have been absolutely extraordinary, to say the least. But he also took your maiden first-class wickets. I'm guessing you remember who it was, but in terms of the lead-up to that wicket, and obviously the wicket itself, what can you remember from from that dismissal? Yeah, so um, it was a weird one for me as well, because I normally would bowl with a new ball, and when we came to bowling, I was first changed. So I was kind of like really eager and ready to get the ball in my hand. And uh, I went through the first spell and went wicketless, but bowled quite tidy. And then I came back on for my next spell and the, the shape had gone. And I was just sort of, as I said before, trying to hit like a good area and try and find the outside edge. And thankfully I managed to find the outside edge and went through to Chris Cook, took the catch. And it just felt like a big relief that you've got that first one. Well, obviously, and in terms of the wicket, for those who aren't aware, Jamie, who was it? Because he's another England player. Yeah, uh, it was Matt Fisher. Pretty good wicket to get. Matt Fisher, outstanding bowler, also the youngest debutant in, in county cricket history. Again, just an interesting fact, made his debut at the age of 15 in 2013. So, again, a nice wicket to get on your debut. And if I may just say so myself, Jamie, excellent figures. One for 12. From nine overs, that's not a bad start to life in county cricket, is it? Yeah, it, it was pretty nice start. I don't think you'd get many nicer starts than that to settle in, economy-wise. <laughs> Certainly not. That is an excellent economy, to say the least. And obviously, the game ended in a draw, so you didn't lose either. So that's also a nice bonus. We have had players on the podcast. I know I mentioned him a lot, but Mark Adair lost all three of his Warwickshire debuts, so... Trust me, to get a draw or a win on a debut is is very very special. <laughs> you should definitely you should definitely value it, shall we say? Because not everybody is that lucky, unfortunately. But in that game, I suppose towards the end of that, Jamie, you did actually suffer an injury, which unfortunately ruled you out for the well, pretty much the rest of the season until that Surrey game. What actually happened there? When did you first find out that you're actually injured in that encounter? So- uh, going into the game, I had like a, a little niggle in my side, but it was kind of something that wasn't really painful, didn't really um, put you off. And then bowling throughout the game, it just progressed and progressed. And it got to the second innings and it got to a stage where every time I let go of the ball, I was sort of in agony. And um, after the game, I mentioned it to the physios and we travelled back home. And then the next day, uh, we had a rest day. Uh, we had a, Then the day after that, we had a... I had a fitness test in the morning. I bowled about four balls in nets and I just broke down and went for a scan and I'd fractured my rib. Goodness me, that's a horrid injury to sustain. And I'm guessing that must have been incredibly deflating because you've gone from that incredible high. You've made your first class debut. It's gone well. Figures of one for 12 from those nine overs. You've bowled incredible. 
on debut. But then at the same time, at the end of that game, you've been ruled out for the rest of the season. I mean, how difficult was that for you to come to terms with at the time? Yeah, it was um, mentally quite tough. Um, you know, as you said, making your debut, the high of making your debut, taking your wicket, and then two days later, you find out you're going to be ruled out for a period of time. It was quite a difficult one to take. I can imagine it was. I mean, that is rotten luck, to say the least. I mean, so quickly after your debut to be ruled out for the vast majority of the season must have been tremendously hard. And in terms of that, that route to recovery then, Jamie, again, what was your motivation? What kept the fire burning inside for you to come back from that injury? Um, like I said before, the, the competitive nature and once you've had a taste of it and you you realise how good it feels, you just want more of it and more of it. So you just work hard, you try and get back quicker than scheduled and you just do everything you need to do to get back on the field. Absolutely. And fortunately, in your case, that is exactly what happened because you made that second first-class appearance against Surrey, and then obviously in the couple of seasons which have followed, you've gone on to make your list day and your T20 debuts as well for Glamorgan County Cricket Club. And that brings me nicely, actually, onto my next question, Jamie, because we've spoken about the first-class debut, which for any cricketer is obviously tremendously special. You only ever make one first-class debut, and it's something which stays with you for the rest of your life. But would you say that was your, your proudest moment in a Glamorgan shirt to date, or has another game or another moment maybe top that, per se? I think, for me, that was um, the top experience. Just after all the years of hard work, uh, putting in the effort, and to be rewarded with the, the debut was, for me, the best moment. And understandably so, because it's a very, very prestigious thing to, to gain. It's something which I don't think I'm ever going to have the opportunity to do, thankfully. Luckily, Warwickshire aren't that desperate and they don't need my services anytime soon, or at least we hope so. Not for many, many years to come, but yeah, it is a tremendously special occasion and well-deserved as well, Jamie. I've got to say, well, well-deserved. It's been quite the path for you in county cricket, but on the other side of those injuries now and obviously reaping the rewards heading into the 2023 season. And that brings me very nicely onto my final question for today's episode of the podcast, Jamie which does, of course, revolve around the future. So I'll mention it all the way at the start of the pod, 85 days. It's not long at all until the start of the 2023 season. So what are your ambitions, your aspirations in county cricket, both in the season of 2023 and the years that follow? What do you want to, to aim for and, and achieve, I suppose, in a Glamorgan shirt heading into the foreseeable future? Yeah, for me... Um... You know, we've had a, a very strong bowling unit over the last few years and it's been really hard to break into. Um, so the first the first bit for me is to try and get a regular first team spot by working hard, performing, um, and then sort of progress from there. And obviously you want to take as many wickets as possible, contribute to as many wins and if possible, silverware. Um, that's ideally for me what would lie ahead. Well, Jamie, it goes without saying, but obviously myself and everybody associated with the Counter Cricket Podcast are wishing yourself and Glamorgan all the very best of luck heading into the summer of 2023 and beyond. It looks like a bumper summer, doesn't it? Across all three formats, Sapphire Gardens is going to be rocking in the T20 Blast as well. And obviously for yourself, wishing you more game time. I mean, from what we've seen in Counter Cricket so far, very impressed 
I've got to say, so fingers crossed for yourself that you can get more games because, yeah, we'd definitely like to see that here at TCCP heading into the future. But before we say our final goodbyes then, for the recording, Jamie, on what has been a fascinating episode of the podcast, do you have anything to plug or promote? Any social media channels, websites, businesses, anything like that? Uh, I don't know. Not even Twitter or Instagram? Well, I have my own, yeah, my Jamie McElroy 94. Um, but other than that, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Very humble and modest as well, Jamie. But we will leave the, the links to your social media in the podcast description below. So listeners, if you want to go and follow Jamie, check out his cricketing story. Please feel free to go and click on those links in your own time. But that is essentially it from us two here at the Cows Cricket Podcast for tonight's show. To each and every single one of you wonderful listeners out there, thank you very much for tuning in. And as always, guys, we'll see you on the next one.